How's it? This week, we're joined by Matthew Bauer, Chief Operating Officer at Kupu. We chat about economic recovery through conservation work, youth development, and how programs like Kupu changes lives, including my own. Mahalo for joining us. Please subscribe, rate, and donate. Welcome to On The Rock. What's up, Matt? What's up, Nate? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, simple protocol stuff. So name, where you from, and then uh, let's go with uh, your favorite hike. Ooh, got it. Okay. Uh, so Matthew Bauer, Matthew, well, full name, Matthew Kalama Udala Aobauer, um, from Kailua uh, on Oahu. And I would say my favorite hike is either Lanihuli or uh, Konohuanui, the two highest peaks on the Ko'olaus. Okay. So I don't think I did either of those. I don't, yeah. uh, wait, is one considered Mount Olympus? Is that like the generic name for one of them? No. So that's, I think about maybe one peak, uh, over east of east of Konohuanui. So when you're going over the poly, yeah. Uh, the one that's on this side of the poly, the, that really the right hand side, right hand side, that's Konohuanui. And then the okay. other peak on the other side is, uh, Lanihuli. Oh, okay. And so, one of them, if you've ever gone Po'oa Flats, and then you yeah. get to that, there's like a um, overlook. You yeah. get that. There's like a telephone pole, and you're overlooking the poly. Yeah. Yeah. If you continue, if you get to that point, and you just turn right, you just go follow that all the way up. It takes you to the highest point in the um, the Ko'olaus. Okay. There's two. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful hike. I, I think I, the highest I ever went up that side on the left-hand side is Palipuka. I think that's okay. the high, highest, but that's from the other side, right? You, the way you guys go, come from you come from the opposite end, right? Yeah. So up top, Tantalus, and then okay. hike from Tantalus, and then you just hike all over to Poa Flats, and then just hike up, and then yeah. But you can do it. Like, there's actually the craziest hike is you ever heard of Pili Valley Ridge? No. So Pili Valley is on the um, on the Kailua side of the of of uh, the Pali. Okay. And you know, there's like a, there's a hairpin turn as you yep. go down. Yeah. You park. There's another trail called um, it's called a Manawili Demonstration Trail. And then there's a peak. There's a ridge that goes all the way up straight from the windward side, going up to the Ko'olaus. It's like all cliffy. <laughs> I never did it. I just see videos of it. But yeah, people do that. They go up to Konohuanui from the windward side, which I think is nuts. That's pretty much straight climbing. That's why, right? Yeah, and you know Hawaii has a basalt that's crumbly and yeah, it's, it's not crumbly. really very yeah put your foot on something that you think is solid and you could just be finding yourself going down quick yeah yeah i try i try to you know like well because most of the time i'm hiking by myself or maybe with one other person so if i'm by myself i'm sticking to like naalahele pretty <laughs> safe maintained trails I, I try not to do the gnarly ones unless i'm in a group but yeah. i haven't been I haven't been hiking new trails as much. I found myself in the pandemic going to like, just going to like Kuli'o'o or real simple ones that aren't too long, not too crazy, just to pretty much get exercise and get kind of like just out of, out of the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Have That's you been a, hiking during this Yeah, thing? a little. Yeah. Um, 
in the, near the beginning, I was hiking almost every day um, to, you know, just like you, a trail by my house in Makiki, just mm. going up the trail and then coming back down, doing the loop. And um, yeah, I tried. That's like my favorite form of exercise. It's just there's something about being a man, an animal and being in the outdoors, you know, then and getting that exercise. It's just it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Like for me, it's um, it's less about the exercise and more about the headspace that I mm. I go into because I try not to like listen to music, you know. If I'm, you know, I, I'm there to like kind of listen to the trees and take it all in. So for me, it's more about getting out and and mm. clearing my head because I'm more of a mountain person than an ocean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people I think go go to the beach i was always more like you know go go up into the cooler places and hang out you know at elevation that was always more more my thing than than going to the beach i mean i like the beach but do you find that um you've been doing more outdoorsy stuff since lockdown happened i mean you're kind of outdoorsy anyway but yeah you know it was it was it was hard when the mayor said no hiking mm, like that, yeah that, that hit me like I, yeah, it was it was tough, and you know I, we got to do what we got to do, but um, it was definitely fe- uh, a sense of claustrophobia in the city. Yeah, like can't go to the can't go to the natural areas of our of of why we you know the beauty of Hawaii. You can't get there; you're stuck in the city. Yeah, so that was a bummer. But as soon as it lifted, I was I was out. Yeah, yeah, I never got. I, I kind of didn't really get that part of it because I've never seen anybody go hiking in a group larger than like even four or five people. Cause that's yeah. just at that point, you're not even hiking with, you can't talk to everybody, right? If you're in that big of a group. And yeah. then the other part is like being outdoors to me, I, I get the part cause they were trying to keep people from gathering in larger groups. And you can't just say certain parks. You just, it's easier just to say all parks. But I didn't get the hiking thing because I, I, to me, a hiking hiking is like a pair, two people maybe, and and now they're doing solo hikes, which yeah. really is not that safe either. I mean, I go solo, but I go to like I said, like Naalahele, like wider, well maintained trails. Um, but solo hiking, like if they they tried to go on the hikes you were talking about at the poly solo, that's super dangerous. I don't know. I I I kind of. I question the the rationale sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because my wife, she's like, "Oh, that must have been a guy that made that that determination for the solo hiking." <laughs> like, like, and I've surveyed a few women, and like, none of them want to go hiking by themselves. There's yeah. a fear factor, you know, like just being out in the wilderness by themselves. And I can see that. I mean, you know, luckily we don't have like. You know, we don't necessarily feel that way, but I can understand that fear of being by yourself in the a place where people don't know where you are. Yeah. Are from people, you know, that's definitely a, a fear I could see having. I always yeah. tell people like, like when I hear that they're starting to go hiking and if they start to get a little brave and go solo, I always tell them like, that's the reason why I stick to Naalahele trails, um, which are the state run kind of maintain trails is that most of the time there you won't be the only person on the trail so you know if you do get hurt i i I granted you want some isolation right you don't want to be in a crowded trail nobody wants that but if you're on one of those and you get hurt 
chances are somebody in a relatively decent amount of time is going to come walking through. So you yeah. kind of have a shot at least, you know, like if you stay on the trail. Now, if you yeah, go exactly. all, all over the place, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, no, I, I think I think the outdoor thing kind of I think a lot of people I've I, just based on Instagram, I guess, which is like a total you know, subjective kind of gate data gathering. But I, I suspect it feels like a lot of people are more outdoors now, which is nice. Like a lot yeah. more people going to the beach, people fishing, people diving, people hiking. You know, I, I think hopefully that sticks around post pandemic, you know, like if we ever get to the point where we can do whatever we can could, could do before people still do the outdoorsy stuff, but yeah. we'll see. <clears throat> Yeah, that's 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 a hope and and then also a fear because then all your favorite hikes might be like overrun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's, that's true. the yeah. I mean, and and also full disclosure for people who are listening, Matt and I worked together. He was my boss at Kupu, um, so he and I worked together for a couple years, um, a, a pretty recently, a few years ago. Um, actually, it's been yeah, a couple years, almost a couple years since I, I left Kupu, but. Um, um you're the first guy i remember hearing about that were, that did like the total makai to malka hike so explain yeah. what because you would do that like once a year right or something like that a couple times a year yeah i try to it's basically um either get dropped off at the beach early in the morning um and walk through well i guess the last one was uh dropped off at magic island walk through uh Alamoana at like 4 30 in the morning so it's very interesting walking through there walk, <laughs> walk over the bridge walk up by Hanaho'oli by the nature center and then just from there just hike all the way up to the top of the Ko'olaus and then hike back down and uh, I like to I like that it's such a it's an interesting like you just the if you take pictures throughout the day and then you play those pictures when you get home and you just like see this I don't know. You see, you see where you, you you live. You see the differences in your in the community. You see the difference. Like Hawaii is just. Where else can you start off in the morning? Walk from the morning, <clears throat> in the ocean with your feet in the water and end up at the top of a of a of a summit. Yeah, looking down on the, on the island. And I think at some point I I would like to figure out how I could do a hike from one part of the ocean, like from the south side to the windward side, or something like that, over the Ko'olaus and back onto the other side of the island. But yeah, it's, that's a, that's a good, it's a good way to, um, I don't know, stay in touch with, stay in touch with where you live. So you get yeah. to see all parts. Of the day. Yeah. And then yeah. there's progress. Okay. Yeah. You, I, uh, who, I, I don't know if you, I, I don't think I found that out from you. I think somebody, one of the coworkers told me about you taking these, these trips, hiking trips, but I was like, Oh, that sounds crazy. But that sounds fun too. But I mean, I guess you pretty much gotta prepare because you're got it's a full day, right? You're pretty much. Yeah, it, it wasn't actually um, the last time I did it, which was I think last year. It was um, five thirty in the morning, and I got back to the house, and I walked back to my house at like, and I got back there at one thirty. Well, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, it's that makes that makes you feel like, well, this island is actually a lot smaller than you think too, right? Because like. Yeah. It, I mean, really, it is. It's yeah. it, what makes it feel big here is the traffic, because yeah. it takes so long to get to places. But when you when you look at the map, and you think about the distances, it's not that 
this island is actually really small. I mean, yeah. comparatively, because I think Maui's bigger than Oahu, right? Oh yeah, I think way bigger than Oahu. Yes, yeah. Oahu's like I think about the size of Kauai. I think it might be a little bit bigger than Kauai. Kauai's just got more of that rounded. more rounded, and yeah. Oahu's a little bit longer. But I think they're comparable in size. But only like Oahu's kind of interesting because it has that thin strip. You know, like this whole east side of Oahu is kind of that thin. So you got a, a lot of different, a lot of different terrain and a lot of different um. There's a lot of things to experience. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, because you basically that thin strip, it that, the backbone of that thin strip is the Kolaus, right? Are the Kolau mountain right. range? So basically, yeah. one side of the Kolau is town side, and right on the other side you have Waimanalo and Kailua and all that. Yeah. So it's actually yeah. a really narrow area. Yeah, I can, I guess I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, I, I gotta say one. I mean, there's a lot of good things about my experience at Kupu. But one of the big things that I enjoyed was that it was very, very rooted in outdoors. Even as a, as a director position, um, you know, it was, I think it was like the first week of first, like the second day of my work. I think the second day I came on, I went with you and John to a work day out at, at the North shore, I think was like, Hey, we're, we're junk clothes tomorrow. And second day we were out in the field, like planting, planting, um, trees out in, uh, where we're local ale, right? I'm local ale. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's- and I always appreciated that because it's not, it's pretty rare that, you know, especially executives. I mean, you, you and John are like top two executives plus, you know, me, we, we were out there, you know, getting dirty and that was part of our job, you know, like, and then the next day we're back in the office hammering out Excel sheets or whatever, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just very core to what, what we do. So try, um, it took, it took me a solid, I would say like a year to be able to explain to somebody in like a sentence what Kupu does. So mm-hmm. you, you're obviously one of the <laughs> founders. So if you had to explain to someone what kupu does how would you how would you do it real quick Ooh, provide young people opportunities to engage in the natural resources conservation um and educational op- <laughs> i have to do this one again <laughs> yeah see it's <laughs> not that it's not that easy <laughs> yeah there's different components so i'm like but i think in the end what we do is we provide young people opportunities to serve the community generally yeah. Yeah, we're conservation and natural resources is what is a mechanism for what we do. But really, we're about the young people and the participants that come into our programs and, and experience the work that we do. That's it's we're about the young people. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I think end. that's the when I finally was able to just hone in on that component, the youth, the young people component. As, and I even shy away from saying youth because it's more like young adults. We usually right. like you know, 16 and up, up to like early twenties, but some more like young adults. But once I was able to kind of just hone in on that component, that's what we do. And the, the conservation, natural resource management, sustainability stuff is just the tool or the mechanism of how we engage them and the opportunities that we have, then it became a lot more easier to explain. But, um, but you guys right now are, are, probably pretty busy right are you guys kind of cranking right now yeah we're full full mode right now the 
Kupu as a, as a, as a starting point where it began was uh, through a conservation corps. And uh, yes, there's the story for us as just kind of an origin story, if I can share briefly about the, the origin. Yeah, it's so basically uh, conservation corps have been around since the 1930s. Um, uh, FDR started it in the New Deal. Um, got millions of people back to work, millions of young men back to work, and most of the national parks that you see across the state, and even parks in Hawaii, were created during this time when young all these people were brought to work. So that was called the Civilian Conservation Corps. And through that, through the years, um, the Civilian Conservation Corps has it was a federal program, but over the over time, you know, and as as things continue, there was World War II, so there was military took a lot of folks, and then. Um, as we went through the 60s and 70s, it became more of a state-run regional kind of core model. So people like a state would have a conservation core. And Hawaii did in the 1970s. Um, our governor's wife was a core member when she was in when she was a, a high schooler um, working in, in Volcano in your neck of the woods. Nice. Um, yeah. And so for us, um, as a, when I when I graduated from high school, I was always in, wanted to be a part of conservation and natural resource management. I have a, a huge affinity for the native forest birds that we have in Hawaii, which are super unique and beautiful and just, you can't find them anywhere. I mean, you can only find them in Hawaii and they're, they're going quickly because of, you know, our different, different um, mosquitoes or predators or just loss of habitat. And so I've always had a huge affinity for this. Um, our CEO, John, John Leong, he was a also graduating high school around the same time as I did. And he actually was a part of the state run, Conservation Corps in when he graduated high school and that had a huge impact on him. So he, when he went away to college, he got his degree. He focused on trying to develop a degree that kind of was business focused and then also environmental focused. And so that's, he came back and he started a company called Pono Pacific. So he, that was a, a for him, that was a trying to decide, trying to decipher before there was the social enterprises. Yeah. Like how do you do, good with business and how do you mesh the two so that you're doing something positive in the community and creating economy and creating opportunity for people. And so his big thing was to come to Hawaii to do that, come back to Hawaii to engage young people in Hawaii in, so that they could understand the opportunities that there are, not just in tourism, but there's also conservation. There's also, you know, you can use your skills as a hunter to actually, you know, have a job that you can, you can live an earning wage, uh, a, a, a living wage with and, and so he, that's why he developed Pono Pacific. And then one of the lucky parts to him starting it was he was also, uh, the state wanted to get rid of the YCC as running it, but they wanted an organization to run the YCC program. So in 2001, Pono Pacific as a contract started the Conservation Corps, our Hawaii Youth Conservation Corps. And basically that's how Kupu started as a, a Youth Conservation Corps, just a summer program and the first year that they ran the program, they had 16 kids on Kauai, and that was it. Um, so they had, they they coordinated the program. I came on right in that same time as a as as a, you know, became engaged in the conservation side of it, but just quickly became part of the youth conservation corps as well. And over the next five years, like it went from 16 kids in on Kauai to a couple hundred kids uh, during the summer and year round, and so. Um, yeah, the, the organization has grown and what, uh, back in 2008, when we had the last financial crisis, um, 
we were in a position to actually provide job opportunities for folks that had lost their lost their job or were having a hard time getting to, into college. And we started uh, something called the, I think they call it the ARA Corps. Remember the American Reinvestment Act and whatever the ARA yeah. that Obama passed. Yeah. So we, we had, yeah. So we started a core with with funds that we received from that. So we got people back to work. Just about twenty five people, I think, statewide. And so. Um, we, we noticed that in times of upheaval um, and there's a need for people to get back to work, the conservation core model or what kind of the work that we do as an organization is a good mechanism to, to get the, to get people back to work. And actually right now we're in that middle of that process right now, we are starting a program called the Kupu Aina Core, which is basically a program that's funded under the CARES Act. And our hope is to get, um, 360 to potentially 500 if we get additional funding get 500 people back to work working in natural resources and agriculture um for a very short period of time the cares act runs out in december yeah and yeah. Uh, in october but we're hoping to have people up and running next week actually so okay. we actually have 57 people that are started right now and then we have another 100 or 200 people coming on next week and the week after so yeah well, I mean, there's a chance that the, I mean, there is a chance that the CARES Act funds get extended. So there, yeah. there might be, there might be that opportunity too, but that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on. Um, not only just because of, um, you know, like working at Kupu really did impact me positively as a, as a staffer. Um, I enjoy what you guys do. I enjoyed working there. Um, so not only that, but I, I know that, um, the, the core model and what you guys do is, is a model that was implemented. Like you mentioned FDR did for the new deal. So in, during the depression, again, you guys got a bump of funds during, um, the great recession, uh, in 2008. So I, I had, I kind of had a feeling the Aina Corps because I, I saw it, it actually, I think it hit my um, YouTube as an ad advertisement. Like yeah, after yeah. I booked you, I, I think I was watching YouTube and one of the ads that came up was for the Aina Corps. And mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of figured that was a new program. So I had a feeling it had something to do with some of the funding that was out right now. Um, what kind of so what kind of people are you guys looking for? Is it all youth again? So seventeen to twenty five or twenty six, whatever the, the the number is. Yeah, we're looking. Um, so the the state the state guidelines for us and and basically to cares and the cares funds is to benefit folks that have been impacted by COVID. So that's the big thing that they're trying to get with these funds and get it out to the public. So the state and and Kupu kind of figured out that our key demographic or the folks that we're focused, want to focus our efforts on is recent high school graduates, recent college graduates, and displaced workers. So we are focusing on those on those youth, younger people with the recent high school graduates. And the thought being like, even if you, <clears throat> there's a lot of recent high school graduates that even if they weren't planning on going to college, finding a job right now is really difficult. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be hard to find a job. And if you Oftentimes, there's a we've we've heard a lot of people that have applied that are you know they were planning to go to college, but then mom and dad lost jobs, and then now college isn't an option, or community college is not you know they just didn't prepare. So this is an opportunity for them, and the same for the the college recent college graduates is that they just graduated. Now there isn't necessarily an opportunity for them to find a job, and 
and finally it's displaced workers which are folks that you know just lost their job or have been furloughed and you know you know i think a lot of people could maybe have an unemployment but i think a lot of people want to be outdoors and or want to be doing something productive and i would say that our project or our program is is set up to get people back up back outside supporting like a hundred or couple, almost 200 230 uh, nonprofit state and for-profit organizations across the state doing conservation and and agriculture so, so oh so so the cares act this, this round um for-profit companies are eligible because usually i mean when i was there for at least for americorps funding it had to be uh state local government or nonprofit, right that that benefited yeah. you couldn't you couldn't do you couldn't put a you couldn't put a um uh um AmeriCorps member out at like a for-profit farm, you know, to do work. So this one for-profit is, is in play too. Yes. Yes. So we have, um, so we have most of the CARES members or the participants that will be in this program are non-AmeriCorps. So there isn't okay. that restriction. Oh, nice. And then I, <laughs> that's, yeah. even better. <laughs> that's even better. Yeah. Cause you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I know. AmeriCorps trying to administer AmeriCorps grants is a pain. But okay, yeah. so they're not AmeriCorps, so they can go wherever. They can go wherever, and um, and I think the big part. Uh, this is actually a project that's been kind of developed. Omar Sultan from Sultan Ventures. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he and a couple people, John involved, were envisioning like, okay, what. And during this time when the tourism industry kind of is in a, is in, you know, we just can realize how, how huge the tourism industry is in Hawaii when you all of a sudden don't have it. Don't have it. Yeah. And you see how much people are go unemployed. I think this is a effort to try and reach out to industries that are emerging, that are, that could be developed and to provide uh, resources to those industries so that they can, begin to, um, yeah, they, they can, they'll, they'll, they're going to be provided the resources. So during this time when there might be, you know, trouble with, you know, with employment or whatever, they're, they're actually still getting buoyed up with, with people that can support their organizations. So the, the thought was, um, there's another organization that's also doing work similar to Kupu. We are kind of in a way, um, co-created this this program so kupu is doing the conservation and agricultural sectors because they're kind of in our wheelhouse yeah then the economic development alliance of hawaii is working with and omar is a part of that supporting them is working with um emerging sector like um healthcare aerospace uh creative media uh computer science like they're doing that side of the house and we're doing this side of the house and we're really providing we're trying to employ as many people into these career into these um, companies as possible. And the, you know, our long-term effort is like, okay, this might be two months, hopefully it's longer, like you mentioned, but this might be two months, but what can, with the effort that we're putting in and the people that we're reaching out to, like, what is the longer term impact that could happen because of this, you know, the, the high school student that has an opportunity to work at this, uh, like this farm and then realizes, you know, this is something that I, I really want to be involved in, or I want to be attached to, and I want to learn more about it. So that could create a trajectory of a career trajectory because of this experience or the displaced worker who maybe doesn't necessarily want to go back to the job they had before, but this is providing them the opportunity to engage in a, another, another career opportunity that could, you know, 
provide them a trajectory that they are more attuned to now. So yeah. that's our hope is like get people out and, and get them to different sites and organizations to work. I think I saw, um, shoots, I can't, isn't it called Aloha? What's the name of the Aloha program? Connects Innovation. What yeah. is it? Aloha Connects Innovation. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I think we were, I think, um, one of my board members was asking for uh, my day job that we take a look at it because we could be considered entrepreneurship. Yeah, um, right. But um, so I, I think I was looking at it. But again, the timeline is so tight that I was like, man, by the by the time I get the person on train, like they're, you know, we're, we're probably into November at this point. So I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. we don't have that much going on. Maybe we just, you know, I know the, the work would be nice the scale I, and the additional scalability would be nice. But um, I think for a super tiny org like mine, it's it's like, uh, is it worth, you know, that much time to train somebody? Because I, I would be the one training, right? Like, and I have right. 10,000 other things being so small, but um, that's cool, man. Um, so yeah. for your guys' stuff, most, I'm, is it all hands in the dirt kind of jobs or is it, all kind, whatever uh, org needs to scale that's in the conservation ag business, they can they can get any kind of different types of jobs. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think that's part of the the misnomer about conservation is it's all hana, it's all work in the field, it's all just doing the pounding fence posts and and weed whacking areas. It's not. It, there's a lot to it. So we have. Um, I mean, this is also a short term project. So there's you know there is a lot more the scalability of, of employment is easier when it's like field work. So there is a lot of field work. There is a lot of that, yeah. but also a lot of other type of um, work. We have uh, social media, community engagement, um, lab work. Uh, we have folks that are, you know, um, supporting uh, like, yeah, the social media accounts of some of these, some of these organizations that are really mm -hmm. small that just like, a, you know, probably a young person's touch someone, you know, their skill that they already naturally have and they yeah. can, off, lend to a, an organization that maybe you know doesn't know doesn't have that ability yet so yeah. i think there's a there's a lot of opportunity i i think that's one of the um i mean you know i wasn't at kupu that long and i i think one of my unfinished kind of things that i felt like i i didn't get done was trying to work on those projects because i was sort of more looking at those back of the house types of jobs in conservation. And, you know, like I, my programs weren't the hands in the dirt ones, but we were more on like the business side or the, you know, the capacity side where it might be, you know, more um, uh, the way I guess we were putting it was like my stuff was like guys who would be sitting at the desk versus, you right. know, another program might be the guys who guys and women who would be out in the field actually like getting dirty and doing the work right but both yeah. both are needed to scale the you know conservation industry and 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 ag industry too right it's it's both it's not just outdoors it's, people you need you need the indoor people too so. yeah they're they're really important as it turns out um yeah i would not I don't, not to say that they're overly important that you I mean some some organizations can be that way but yeah they're kind of important and you need good leaders you need good um yeah like you know uh, a co-worker of ours Aliyah. yeah she's you know, like 
she, Aliyah Herman, she's working with the uh, um, the Campbell and Kapolei Complex to do um, work on work-based learning, and I think that's the the thing that she's been trying to engage the schools on because they have a natural resource natural natural resource pathway, which for them is ag. It's yeah. not really natural resources; it's agriculture. And um, she's been engaging the teachers and other folks with good success. There's a lot of receptivity to what what she's bringing to the campuses, which is really awesome. Um, but like, you know, it's not just when you think of conservation, don't just think of the field work. And she's been taking teachers out to different organizations and the organizations have been able to share like the CEO is there. This is my background. I'm an attorney. I'm policymaker yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in conservation or there's yeah, there's the attorney side, there's the science side, there's the actual ground and pound worker guy. And so um, that I think that that's been kind of great to see. And I think that hopefully with that type of effort within the DOE, the education that's being developed, the um, the, the curriculum that they develop, it might meets the needs of Hawaii's natural resource sector, because it's growing. Yeah, it's it's, it's a growing sector. You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so Ilya and I were on the same team. I actually am going to have her on soon. She she agreed yeah, to come should. on. So we, we'll, we'll get into detail with her projects. But yeah, we were always, I think when she and I would chat and I would chat with you, I think the vision of our, our group was always to broaden what people think natural resource management or conservation is. I think everybody goes immediately to like putting up fence. You need a, somebody to go pound fence posts or you need somebody to go and, you know, plant trees and do that kind of stuff, which you do. But you yeah. also need the, the people in the back doing the project management. You need people, you know, doing the data analytics. You know, you need social media people. You need outreach, right? You need marketing outreach. You need funding, fundraising, you know. Yeah. policy and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff so it's good to hear that that stuff is is still scaling and on track um yeah i find uh even now in my current role that um doe uh you know even when i talk to them about entrepreneurship they immediately want to send me to the business school teachers and i'm oh, like really? no like that's not being an entrepreneur you can stick us in engineering you could stick us in culinary you could st stick us in fashion whatever because all these kids are gonna have to know how to like solve problems and create solutions regardless of whatever subject they're in so i think sometimes they get stuck in like natural resources oh, okay well that's at the end of the you know building end of the campus out by the farm <laughs> like that's yeah. the, that's the people you got to go talk to which is not always the case right sometimes you need like the math and science people to to do that kind of work too right yeah oh that's interesting that's cool i mean um so i'm guessing you, you guys did you guys cancel had to cancel summer program this year no so um we actually had a ability nikki ozaki yeah. another yeah person at Kupu, our program manager for the summer program, she was able to do a, um, she was able to make the summer program an individual placement. Oh, nice. So yeah, so we, we had to scale back how many folks could be involved just because uh, there was a lot of folks coming from, there was a few folks coming from the mainland, not mainland residents, but student, you know, they have residents on the mainland and they couldn't get back in time because of the quarantine and everything that was happening at that point. So 
Um, so they, they weren't a part of it, but we had about 40, 40 young people that were a part of the summer program this year. Um, and yeah, individual placements, we got to work in places that we don't normally get to work with. Um, there's a, was it, um, Malacology at the Bishop Museum. We had uh, a oh. high, school, high school grad that was working with uh, tree snails and oh, being nice. able to, yeah. So like different experiences than what you normally have in our summer program is something that you couldn't bring a team to do, but an individual had that opportunity to engage in something like that. Yeah, and just yeah. so the audience have, has a background, summer program was another one that I, I worked on for a little while. Um, but basically, you would, it was it's pretty much the core the original Kupu program. It's the Hawaii Youth Conservation Corps program, and it's teams of of young folks, um, typically four to six people on a team, and we had yeah. teams basically on every island, major island, um, yeah. including Molokai sometimes. Uh, once in a while, we'd have a Molokai team. Um, well, actually, we've always had, or at least recently, we've always had a Molokai team. Um, right. And then they would, these teams would rotate a site pretty much per week um, on average. So, you know, a team would work on one site um, someplace. And then the next week they would drive to a different site and work there. So they, it's to, meant to give these kids a wide variety of conservation experiences in different kind of ecosystems, different types of work. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, last time I talked to Nikki, believe was before or right after the first lockdown kind of started so i think summer program was still up in the air um but that's good to hear that you guys still were were able to get kids out into the field um because it it was observing i got to observe the first summer i think i had i worked was kind of more like hold on for dear life because i think i got it like i don't know a month or two before summer program started so i was i was pretty much just like oh dear like what's going on but the second year um with nikki on board was a lot more in control but it was always a good experience because the kids and these kids are mostly younger so 17 to 19 would you say yeah 17 20 around there yeah the the team members the team leaders Mm -hmm. would be you know over 21 they would i think they had to be 21 but most of them would be about 21 to 25 27 um but the changes that the kids go through in such a short amount of time from when you see them at camp or actually even before that when you see them do their interview to when they finish uh summer program it's it's huge some of these kids grow so much in such a short amount of time it's amazing yeah well you got you got kids that have like always had their moms like do everything for them yeah and then all of a sudden they're stuck in a a team of folks that are and they're away from mom they're camping for a, like a week seven, six weeks over the summer yeah yeah for a week at a time and this is there's a lot of growing that happens for 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 kids and you know like you're it's not like you're just going to school and then you leave school like you're with these people the whole time and so yeah it refines people, you know, when you're around people, if you're really annoying, <laughs> you get refined. <laughs> yeah. uh, you get adjusted, so, you get coached, you get coached, you get coached. Get coached. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to see that. Cause like you have people that like start the, the start the program, very introverted and very like, that's the, I think that's the part I like about that summer program the most is like the, you start off with people that are super introverted or 
maybe a little bit ex too extroverted and just the having to, it's not just the living together, but it's the working together and getting something done together and, you know, accomplishing things. Like if you have a good team leader that's, that's facilitating and controlling and, you know, allowing the, the introvert to speak up a little bit, you really see like people are different. They're yeah. different when they leave. <clears throat> and some of this, I mean, it's hard work. I mean, you're out eight, some of the places that we work with uh, NARS and Hilo, like the Natural Area Reserve System, they'll work from seven till 530. They'll yeah. do that four days in a row. And they, and it's, I think, a rude awakening for some, but you know, that other thing when you're working with friends or you're working with together to get something done and you see the accomplishment at the end of the day, it's, you know, that next day you have that hard work, you're a little bit more willing to do it and you're more excited about it because you're going to be continuing to, 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 to do, to, um, I don't know, make an impact that maybe you just don't get to see normally, you know, and you were doing it with your friends, you're doing it with other people. Yeah. It's always, it's, it's, uh, I think, was it the second summer or first summer? One of the teams on big Island basically laid an entire exclosure fence around Puvava. I mean, that's huge. And that's yeah. a lot of fence line to put down and they were able to do it in like six weeks and they were, they worked hard, but they also had a good time. You know, they had fun and yeah, what yeah. people don't realize is like for the most, mostly on the neighbor Island teams, um, not so much the Oahu teams, but the neighbor Island teams, they're camping. So yeah. they report to work Monday morning and they don't get picked up until Friday. Um, yeah. And they're with their team exclusively. So you work, and you camp in the work site so you don't leave so sometimes yeah. for these kids it's the first time they ever cooked anything yeah exactly yeah and then yeah it's it's those life those small life lessons like you know packing everything that they need when you know if you don't pack what you need there's yeah. issues and um, yeah this, yeah it's crazy like, it's a good lesson um what what's I mean you've been around the program from the start. What was your uh, you don't have to name names, but what's your favorite summer story you you ever have or that you can remember? My favorite, and uh, sorry if you've heard this one already, but my my favorite is my first summer, and I think it's always your you know, at Kupu if you're working as a coordinator for a summer program. There's always your first summer because you don't know what to expect. Like to be honest with you, when I started Kupu and I was told I was coordinating the Kauai team. I don't know what that meant. I had no idea. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know. I had no concept of what a youth core was. And so trying to understand it, even though I'm like kind of intelligent, I guess I couldn't understand it. Like, what is this? I don't know what I'm doing, but we ended up putting it together. Um, and I had a great group of young people that are, I still know all their names. Like they're just made such an impact on me, which is the, some of the greatest parts about being a part of Kupu is just not the it's the impact that other people make on you, the people, the young people that are, you're getting to interact with. And um, we were at Waipa, um, in Waipa Foundation in uh, North, North Shore. Kobe, yeah. North Shore, Kobe, yeah. And we were up at a, um, we had, we were up and we hiked up this trail. We we're clearing out in Hawaii. There's going to be water from the stream. I was supposed to go into this Hawaii, go down to some Lo'i. And it's, Hawaii was old, hadn't, but it hadn't been water, water hadn't been running in it. They said for about 60 years, 60 to 80 years, it was a oh, long wow. time. And so we were there just to pull dirt. It was like complete Hana work. Like you're yeah. just in there pulling rocks out, throwing rocks out, putting, pulling mud out. And we had a lot to go. We had about maybe, 
I don't know, I say 20, 20 yards of just soil and rocks that we had to get out and we stopped for lunch and we were eating lunch and it was cool. I had gotten to know these kids really well throughout the summer and, you know, just kind of seeing it happen. But I realizing like it was the last day of the program too. And it was kind of like, they weren't quite going to see this thing through. And it was kind of sad. I had a sad sadness in me because I was like, man, they put so much effort into this and they're not going to get to see that water flow. So we're sitting there and there's a light breeze or a light uh, drizzle on us. It wasn't very significant. And um, I was sitting in the middle of the stream on this rock and I had my feet down and I was sitting there and then I didn't move my feet. And all of a sudden my feet were getting wet and they started getting more wet and they got more wet. And I was like, looked down and I was like, oh, the stream is rising. And so we all quickly jumped out of the stream. Um, we're very safe. So don't worry about sending your kids to Kupu. Um, <laughs> we got out really quickly, jumped off the rocks. We went up to the side of the stream and we watched the stream rise. And it was because it was raining so hard, hard of Malka. Yeah. The water came down and it was, you know, that's the scary thing about those flash floods. You just don't know. It doesn't have to be raining on you to get impacted. Mm-hmm. And so um, the all of a sudden, though, it went over the banks. The water went over the banks and there was enough like soil that had been piled up by those members that the it hit the water hit there and it started boom rushed straight into the oi it went all the way so even though they didn't get to finish all of it it was like mother nature was there saying i got it i'll take the rest and um we walked down the oi watching the water going down the oi as we left for the day because i mean it was flash flooding and wanted didn't want to get take any risks but that was probably the most amazing experience just because i realized how you put a lot of good people together working hard and um you know like good things happen Nature yeah and it's a i mean uh, it's amazing i think for us me was i mean the only time i went on a work work um one was uh po moho i went with mm. the the year rounds so it wasn't the summer team but they had their their work trip so it was um it's a different program Basically, it's a little bit older, young people, but they they get stationed at a work site for basically not 10 months. So almost a full year. And then um, during the year, they'll get two or three groups of these um, youth together and do one service project. So I think this wasn't too long after I started too. Um, I think it was only a few months after I started, they had this one. So um, that that program was, hey, if you want to come out and, and camp, and then work um, with us out there, have you know, go for it. And Pomo, of course, is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful area. Uh, it was hard work because you we had to hike almost like an hour and a half just to get to the work site. And then um, the the trail was um, so eroded that basically, like the the water had cut the trail pretty much like past your knees so you it was already like two or three feet um deep so we had to kind of like bust up the trail and relevel it but um when you have like 20 or 30 people working on that sections of trail it's amazing how much like of it gets flattened out and pretty pretty soon that trail was like totally usable it was pretty nice to see and then we got to go to the very top which was wow. which was cool yeah, Pomo at the top. If if uh, and you can go. I think you just need a permit to hike yeah. that trail. But it's on the top, but it's from the Wahiowa side of the Ko'olaus. 
So you almost got to go to Wahiwa. And then by Hel I think it was by Helimano Plantation, somewhere around there, you kind of take the cut did you off. Have a, did you get a four-wheel drive to go back, or did you have to hike most of it? Oh, uh, no. So we had a four-wheel drive from the campsite to the trailhead. Yeah. Which was like a 10, 5, 10-minute 10 ride in the four-wheel drive. Because yeah. there were so many people, like, they, they, we had to get as close because there was no way we could take that many people on the four-wheel drive um but from the we we worked on the top part of the trail so the work site was almost at the peak so oh, we had to cool. hike through almost the whole trail just to get there and then all the tools were dropped by helicopter which was trippy too right because we had to they, they were learning how to like set up the the harness to so the helicopter could pick up all the tools and stuff like that but but it was pretty much at the top of Pomo, and I, I, I mean, go to the top, and it's absolutely beautiful. There's a natural spring at the top too, so like oh. just water's kind of coming out at the top of the mountain, and then the little stream that starts at the top eventually, like a little one foot little brook, eventually yeah. will turn into a river someplace down down the mountain right so it was pretty yeah. trippy it was it was like a real cool experience but also we were camping so talking to the young the young these young guys and they're all like either just out of college or taking a break you know or whatever but just talking to them and you know having that uh the youthful energy that that they have kind of gets you got me at least more kind of reinvigorated to do the work right that we do at, at the kupu side because you see it kind of helping them out right but yeah it was a good good experience summer was always fun too although i never i've went out i went out once or twice to work with the kids like on oahu yeah. but i never mm -hmm. camped so i would uh, i would i think once or twice we went and met them at a work site and then you know pulled out mangrove or something you know with them for a little while and then just to check in and like by then they just kind of knew me as the the boss right so like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me it was more just to show up and put a little fear and make sure that they're behaving and then you know and then I, I wouldn't i wouldn't dare you know sick myself on them overnight the older kids a little bit different i wasn't their program um director so I, I didn't have that that kind of effect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean it was it was fun working you know like it, i think I mean, and, and that's the thing about Kupu is like, it's such a massive org. Like there's Kupu people all over the place. Yeah. How many kids do you guys have this past year? I think, I think around 400. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so that's, I think that was part of the reason why it was so hard to explain what we do. Because people see the shirts, they see the blue shirts, they see the green shirts all over the place. Um, by now, you guys have what a four or five thousand alumni that went through the yeah. program. Somewhere yeah, close around, to 5, yeah, yeah, close to five thousand. But even the alumni cannot, because they only associate the actual work. Yeah. So they look at it as, oh yeah, we were out there, we were you know, you know, uh, fixing the OI or, you know, cracking mangroves or ripping out invasives. 
are planting trees, but they don't associate what Kupu actually does. Like they don't understand that it was actually to develop them. Yeah. Yep. And the work was just how how Kupu does it, but to the the point of the program is to develop them as people. So I think yeah. that's why it took me so long to figure it out because everybody in the public has a different view yeah. of Kupu. Yeah, I feel that same way too. It's like you got folks that we have a our community program that's focused on kids that have like you know our opportunity youth, as they say, like they are looking for opportunities and. Um, there's you, some people hear about us from that, but then don't realize that we have a education program as well. And then the people that we encounter at the schools, they only think of us as education and don't realize that we also have a, a, a internship program, like the conservation leaders program, which is probably our largest program, which is, it's interesting. It's hard. It's hard. It's like multifaceted type of organization. And I feel like we have a lot of connections in the community in a lot of different ways, but it's always been hard for us to figure out how to pull the thread so everybody knows what's the whole the whole story about what's happening. It's, well, it's I think it's because they only see the end result work, right? Like yeah. they're seeing yeah. how many trees get planted or they see how much acreage of removal of invasive or, you know, students taught or whatever, but they're not always seeing that the common thread is that's just the result of the work. You know that that's not what the work is the work is actually working on the kids yeah exactly and the result of working on the kids is we happen to plant a bunch of trees or yank out a bunch of invasives right um and and that's for us it was always fun like the summer program i i after working on the summer program for two summers i understood why um there was such a big love for the program in Kupu because when I came in, I didn't quite understand it. Right. I was like, oh, cool summer program. You know, this is fun. You know, I, I went up to camp that first summer and I wasn't involved with the program and I got to hang out at the, the training camp, basically. Um, and that was fun, you know, seeing a bunch of 100, 100 something young young adults you know meeting each other for the first time getting to know each other that was fun but i think when i worked on it started working on it and then you start doing the like because as staff we would be doing every all hands on deck so time to interview you're interviewing like a few hundred kids yep. for the hundred spots yep and then you're in interviewing yeah 50 <laughs> 50 or 60 team leaders for the you know spots or 18 spots yeah. yeah whatever spots we have and those you you're you gotta figure we gotta select these young adults who are responsible enough to have the lives of four or five other young adults you know yeah under Great. their care yeah and then i started to see like oh wow this is pretty involved and then even for the team leaders to see them kind of change over time as yeah. you know Learn, learning some harsh lessons <laughs> yeah. that's what it is right it's uh that used to be our motto for, and i know a lot of people know that but makahanaka ike you're in working one learns man you 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 have to get into it to learn you know that's, yeah. that's just how it is. yeah and i think that yeah, was the same for staff yeah very much so yeah and it's it's a it was a um interesting experience yeah i'm kind of what else do you guys have what else do you guys see coming out 
with um I, I know we're in an election year so um some of it may depend on what happens on November third. Not just with yep. the president, but with you know, Senate and um the House yeah. of Reps. But um are you it what opportunities or what are you guys hearing as far as what could come out that you guys will be able to use and, and help get some programming out there? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things that are happening. Um actually what happened just this maybe a couple months ago, the Senate and House and signed by President Trump was the Great America, Great American Outdoors Act, which basically took two bills, the Great American Outdoors Act, which is like a money to uh, uh, support deferred maintenance at national parks and other um, Department of Interior, Department of Agricultural um, uh, refuges and, and owned land. And then also the Land and, land and Water Conservation Act, which is an, a, an act that was passed a long time ago, but never was funded. And so they combined these two bills and basically there is billions and billions of dollars of of, of work that ha- needs to happen on national parks because of deferred maintenance and there's actually going to uh senator hirono help to support getting core core preference in the language so basically of the bill so if national parks in hawaii has a you know trail that they need to restore they have a preferred, it's preferred that they use a conservation corps. So that would be an opportunity for us to engage our young people or engage people, local people, and um, provide them the opportunity to work, get paid and, and restore our, our, our islands, basically. The cool part about um, working for the federal side is um, some of our partners, like the like Department of Agriculture, U.S. Forest Service, and National Park Service, there's something called the... Um, uh, what is it? Public Land Service Corps Act. It's basically a, um, it provides opportunities for people who spend at least 640 hours doing uh, work on federal land, the opportunity to get uh, a two years hiring preference. So they can, they can get a job at a federal job if they can put in 640 work hours worked at a, at a site. So if they work with us for on one of our AmeriCorps terms, which is 1,700 hours, yeah, they auto they can automatically qualify to get uh, a job with the federal government um, under this Public Land Service Corps Act. I believe that's the right act. So um, that's something that's cool. That's been around, but with the Great American or Outdoors Act, I see that opportunity increasing because we'll be able to put more people on these lands to support the work that's happening there. Yeah, and then, I think one of the one of the things we would always talk about was trying to get some kind of um, time preference done at the state level too right um Mm -hmm. because a lot of your um kupu's partners are uh state state or local partners like dlnr or dar or nars and all those different acronyms but um that's cool man that's a that's a good opportunity so that's already secured that's already secured signed and signed and sealed um so that's a that's that was interesting that it passed this past term um, this past year i mean you wouldn't think that that type of thing that type that type of legislation would happen but it might have been kind i don't know if this is the case and i'm kind of speaking like i'm just guessing but it kind of matches that infrastructure um bent that trump was looking president trump was looking to do is like you know put money towards infrastructure the deferred maintenance is kind of infrastructure for our parks and stuff so there's some funding that went to that um 
I think the other the other programs that are other opportunities that are out there are um, funding to support core development. That seems like the Conservation Corps as a model has been grasped by not just Hawaii, um, the, like the state legislature, I have to give a shout out to the legislature because they're the ones that allocated the money for this money to come to Kupu to do. It wasn't allocated directly to us. We had to fill out an RFP and everything, but they they took the CARES Act money and de decided to put it into a conservation core because they wanted to do something to support natural resources and conservation. But even on the federal side, there's a lot of senators on both sides, of the, both sides Republican and Democrat, that are very interested in um, utilizing young people and cores to um, support our support issues that are occurring. You know, every everything from these wildfires in in California and Oregon and Washington. California just became the first. They just developed something called the climate the climate conservation corps. So they're actually sending out young groups of young people to support in uh, aiding folks to leave their house when and, and when a wildfire is approaching, or helping mm. to rebuild after helping to transition folks after a fire. So, I mean, I think there's great, there's great energy and great power in young people and, and organizing young people to do something good for us. And if we can put that, I mean, the military is one way to do it. And I fully support the military. I think that's a great way. But I think if folks that are not military bent, there's also, they want to serve, they want to find opportunities to do good things for our community. And um, I think the conservation model or the core model is a good way to get engage young people have them gain skills, gain those um, those indescribable things like we say get adjusted when their yeah. attitude is bad. It's like <laughs> yeah. those small skills; those are important. If you become a good team player, you'll make it anywhere in the world, yeah. right? And those are those skills that are happen when you when you're that this type of skills will will be naturally brought out in you when you work in something like a conservation corps while you're doing good work while you're doing good something good for the community. Yeah, and I think that's a the the one thing too that. Um, I think easier explains what Kupu does is that um, not only are you guys putting the the kids into these jobs, but you're also providing support. So their coordinators are there doing check-ins with them, checking in with their sites to make sure that they're performing. And if they're not performing, doing some coaching. So it's not, you know, I give the coordinator, I always had, you know, big love for the big love for the coordinators because they're not just logistics they're also doing some psychological coaching and professional yeah. development coaching so um you know we it was never just go out there bust your ass do the job it's always like hey how are you doing what do you need help with you know and giving some of these some of these young folks um you know i would say Probably less than half, one third are coming from the continent. Is, was yeah. that about right? For um, overall, majority are Hawaii based, but some Hawaii of our based. programs, yeah, some of our programs have more of a. There's more people coming from the continent that are yeah. part of it. Yeah. So sometimes these these are this like the first time they're moving away from home, right? So and they're coming here with no friends and they gotta figure it mm -hmm. out, but. Yeah, it's a it's a cool model, man. And um, so, if so, you guys are looking to, and that would fall under the year long programs mostly. The uh, the Great American Outdoors Act, yeah, and that probably with that and summer or some type of team based programming, long um, a little bit longer term team based programming, something like that would be. I think that's how we would see it. 
Um, there probably are some individual placements there, but I think I'm imagining a lot of it is like trail restoration and um, erosion control, which you kind of need a lot of people to, yeah, to you get need done. A, you need a team of six or seven people to go out there. I mean, hey, man, I, I, I was real thankful that I got a chance to go to California, observe California's conservation corps and L.A. conservation corps um, operations, because those guys like they're they, they got they got some pretty big programs. And if Coop can get close to that, like as far as like the facilities yeah. and like those guys are getting fire trained, I think, to support yep. to support the um, uh, wildfire um, efforts, um, all that kind of stuff. That'd be that'd be great for some of these kids to have some of those kind of skills, you know, under them. Yeah, I mean, I think those. Unfortunately, I live in Makiki, and I just saw that fire in Manoa. Oh yeah, just or two weeks ago, but last week, yeah, or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, it's those things are just going to happen, you know, like we're, we're facing that climate change is not coming. It's here. And um, you can see it in the, you can see it. There's going to be more fires and we need more people that are able to, to, to respond. Yeah. That's just, the, that's just a necessity for our community. So re, and it'd be responsible for us to start thinking about that and figuring out ways to um, train people. They don't necessarily have to be always fire, but maybe they're like volunteer firefighters or you get people trained up that they can just, be called and, and come into action when, when needed, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things about the AmeriCorps program is that um, they are, they're all, by right, they're supposed to be ready for um, any kind of local natural disaster response, right? If, right. if they're, if, if like, say, if we get hit with a hurricane, they wouldn't go to their site to work, you know, Kupu could call them in and, yeah you know, coordinate with the National Guard or whoever. And now these AmeriCorps members are helping respond to to whatever is going on, right? Whatever emergency. Yeah, exactly. Disaster, yeah, not disaster preparedness, but disaster response is something that AmeriCorps members do nationwide. Fortunately, we haven't had to do anything like that. And I hope that we never have to, but they, they are a resource to support us in like responding to a hurricane or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think would be great is to find this additional skills skills training for like fire like you get red carded so you can actually work on the fire line yeah that, that would be i mean we, you know i talked about it. the hardest part with the kupu programs is that the, the longest one is 10 months and that's yeah. that's not a lot of time if if there's a a decent amount of training that needs to go in that's not yeah. a lot of time to train and for them to get like the hours they need for their work experience so you know, it would require to go longer, but going longer means more funding because you got to carry the yep. person for longer. So, yeah, it's it's always the chicken and the egg. But um, yeah. so uh, we're coming up in an hour. I try not to go too long. You, I know you and I can talk for a long time because we would yeah. talk for a long time at, when we were working together anyway. But how how can um, people find out about the Aina Core stuff? Yeah, um, they can go to our website, uh, Hawaii, all lowercase, one word, .org. And um, on the top, if you go there on the top banner, there's a blue banner that is uh, our application for host sites and for um, people who are interested in applying. I would do it right away if you're interested, just because, um, I mean, we're starting people next week. Yeah, December um, too, December cutoff. Yeah, right? in, in December. So we're, our hope is that we can get people, I mean, there's 
potential for plus ups and funding that will allow us to uh, allow us to engage more people and the potential of longer term if the CARES Act Act is passed for are they legislate it to be longer um, and we can you know run it longer so I would still apply but I would do it quick okay yeah. right on man yeah. well um, I appreciate you coming on uh, don't don't hang up after we stop yeah. but um yeah man nice seeing you we gotta hopefully get together soon <laughs> yeah I know hit up salt <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> go to the old stomping grounds in Kakaako um, since I've been well when I left Kupu I work at home right I went straight from Kupu to work at home so yeah I haven't I haven't hung out down there regular like before <laughs> but yeah, we'll get together <laughs> slowly we're, we're hey today I had only like 50 cases so I know we might be moving That's... in the right direction we'll see what happens when October 15 comes and the the continentals start flying in um, yeah but um, at that point you know it is what it is we will so um yeah we'll i'll post this i'll make sure that your link is in the description but thanks again for coming on man yeah thanks for inviting me man i appreciate it all right talking to you yeah take it easy Mm -hmm.